our Bible reading this morning is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. So um, this is the part of the service where you would normally um, be expecting to hear a sermon. Um, but we're doing things differently this morning. And as Mike will have said earlier, um, we're going to be hearing from several people sharing their reflections about what the Easter story, and in particular, what the resurrection means for them. So we've got three folks who are going to come and share those testimonies with us, um, and then we're going to round off this part of the service by hearing from um, Ian DeVille, who was one of the party from SBC that went to Spring Harvest recently. So we'll hear a little bit about that. So plenty to look forward to over the next few minutes, and I, I, I really feel sure that God will speak to us through these varying different voices. Um, so first of all, um, Mark Fisher is going to come and speak to us. Um, Mark was, um, for a while, the um, minister of the URC church in Solihull, now enjoying retirement and now enjoying, at least I hope enjoying, worshipping with us here at Shirley. So Mark, do come and share with us your thoughts. Yes, we are enjoying it, <laughs> being here. Um, and initially, just a, a word of thank you for the welcome, the very warm welcome that uh, Judy and I have received since uh, rolling up here just a few weeks ago. Um, and it's been good to uh, share our celebration of Easter uh, with you. Uh, so what is resurrection all about uh, for me? Um, of course, it's uh, in one measure a, a historic event um, that happened long ago uh, and to which there are a number of uh, witness statements um, which one can accept or not as the case may be. Um, and I imagine that the uh, film this evening, um, A Case for Christ, will uh, work through some of the, the questions that spring up in people's minds about uh, what really happened that Easter morning um, and 
the answers to some of the questions that uh, we would uh, wrestle with. Um, there is a measure, of course, too, that this is an act of God, so there is mystery about it. Um, and there's a sense in which we will never ever get to the rock bottom uh, of what went on that morning. Um, and perhaps that's a good thing, uh, because really it's all about you and me here and now. Uh, what difference uh, does the resurrection of Christ make to our daily living? Um, and I think this is where I get into uh, what it's all about, and particularly about the whole business of encountering the risen Christ in our daily lives. Um, in the Easter story, the biblical testimony, uh, there was Mary who did not recognize her friend, her Lord. He was just the gardener. There were the two disciples, and we explored this last Sunday um, with Paul, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, walking along, chatting, and the clue that it was Jesus they were with. There was no recognition. Um, how do we recognize, how do I recognize Jesus uh, when I encounter him uh, today, the risen Lord? My dear dad, uh, who died about two and a half years ago, um, had had uh, a long ministry himself, he, about 60 years. Um, and I know for certain that the foundation of that was a very deep faith in a living Jesus Christ. But in the last uh, five years or so of his life, he uh, coped with dementia. And it set me on a path, really, of exploring uh, or seeking an answer to what, to me, became a very important question. How do I recognize God if I cannot recognize my loved ones next to me? And you're led to understand that uh, it's got nothing to do with intellect, um, our mental capacity, and all that. And actually, my ministry then led me to do a lot of work with people with dementia and folk in care homes and so on. And discovering... Uh, thank God, that the things that do not disappear when our intellectual capacity fails us are the gifts of love and trust. And that helped me to understand and to know that even though my dad struggled with knowing people around him, as do other people who cope with dementia, um, 
He hadn't lost his grip, his awareness, his sense of that deep love of God, which was his. And that he was still aware of the Jesus who died on a cross because of love and who rose again so that we might know that love in our lives today. Uh, and that, for me, is resurrection, is my encounter with people day by day uh, in whom I recognise that gift of love, the risen Jesus and my risen Lord. I pray that may be a gift for you, even when our mental capacities fail us. Thank you. Thank you, <clears throat> Thank you Mark, very much indeed. So we will in a few minutes have um, a pause and an opportunity just to reflect on what we've heard. Um, but, but next we're going to hear from Laura Monso. Um, most of you are, will know Laura. She's been a member here for many years um, and for a time was one of our deacons, um, but has been away. She's recently come back to us from um, doing some volunteering with a Christian community uh, near Jerusalem. So we look very much forward to hearing what Laura has to say. Um, thank you, Heavenly Father, for, uh, for this day, Lord. Um, thank you because I'm not worthy to be here standing up to say nothing apart from I want to give you glory and honor your name, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because once you uh, opened my eyes and my heart and I could see my uh, sins, I could see my weaknesses, I could see that I was running my life, Lord, and you gave me new life. When I repentance of my sins, when I see that I was doing wrong, and you forgive me, Lord, and that is for me resurrection. Uh, you made me a new person, a new creature that still have a lot of uh, uh, mistakes and still needs to, um, I will never be perfect, but uh, thank you, Lord, because uh, you are the one that um, I'm seeking and I want to be more like you every day, Lord. So thank you, Lord, because you're showing me uh, that you were present since the beginner, you were, um, you showed me that uh, we have to have memory from where you rescue us. You rescued me from my, from my whole life, Lord, as you did uh, with the children of Israel. You talked to Moses. Uh, I was reading Exodus all this week, and I was reading about uh, how uh, God showed to Moses uh, how to he will rescue his people through the spot of blind uh, spot of blood on the doors and Lord you um, make them to cross the Red Sea and then uh, Jesus hanging on the cross uh, all of them everything is connected and uh, um, 
All of them made a sacrifice for, a sacrifice for, for us. And you are telling me that resurrection is this, is like to have memory and remember every day that uh, someone else made a sacrifice for me, Lord. And as Moses was in the, des in the desert for 40 years, I feel like I was like 36 years in my life, uh, wandering on a, on a life that it was not pleasing you, Lord. And that was my desert, Lord. But I thank you because uh, now, uh, since eight years, uh, you rescued me and you gave me a new life, Lord. Uh, I want to uh, give grace. Uh, I want to help and ask you for help to um, never forget about this. Never forget. Every day is a resurrection. Every day is like a Passover. It's like a pass from our old life to a new life. And uh, that's basically is how Passover or resurrection or Easter or Pascua or whatever we call it uh, means for me. Uh, basically, start to have meaning for me uh, when I came to know Jesus. So that's when resurrection has a real meaning for me. And that's why I'm here, because I wouldn't be here if I never met Jesus. So um, uh, basically, it's a daily, daily thanks, daily thanks for, for what he has done for me and for how he's uh, leading me in my life. And, my prayer every day is God guide me and show me your will. And also, a resurrection means like I'm not afraid, I'm not fear about the future, like what you're gonna do, what are you gonna, what are you here for, for long, for short, people sometimes ask. And I said, uh, I know my uh, longest future, I know where I'm going. I didn't know before where I was going. Uh, now I know where I'm going. So I know that my future is safe in his hands, and that's the most important things. And uh, step by step, day by day, uh, he uh, guided me, and I'm seeking his will all the time. That is resurrection, that is uh, a Passover, um, and uh, I appreciate to be here. And as I said before, I'm not worthy to be here speaking, but uh, I like to do it this anyway. And uh, I want to give glory to God for everything, honor his name, and I want he will be present here all the time. He will be the center of this place and in our life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Lara, very much indeed for that. Um, so thirdly, we're going to hear from Stuart Fisher, one of our uh, regular church members, I'm sure known to all of you. Um, Stuart has a, a very particular interest in, in spiritual formations, following a lot of study that he's done on that recently, and will actually be leading the course that we're 
doing on that soon, so he may say a few words about that as well. But I'll hand over now to Stuart. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, good morning. Not yet, Richard. Um, <clears throat> I asked for a sign this morning. It wasn't from God, it was from Richard to tell me when my five minutes was up. Just give me a couple of minutes before you start the clock, Richard, please. Okay, for me, the story of the resurrection is summed up in the Gospel of John in chapter 20. It was early in the morning while it was still dark on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb alone and she sees that the stone has been removed. She runs to find Peter and John. Confused and alarmed, Mary tells Peter that the body is gone. Peter and John run to the tomb. John arrives first, peers in, but does not enter. Peter then arrives, enters the tomb, and sees the strips of linen and the cloth that covered the head of Jesus. Then John enters and the scripture says he saw and believed. But what does he believe at this point in the story? The gospel then adds rather mysteriously that they do not understand as yet the scripture that prophesies that he, Jesus, must rise from the dead. And this is maybe why he adds just after that, that they just went home. They just went home. An empty tomb and they just go home. They failed to see. But where is Mary? Mary stood weeping. Outside the tomb. Mary weeps as she bends into the tomb, into the darkness maybe. But then it's lighted up by two figures in white. Two angels. Notice that the angels didn't appear unto Peter or John, but unto a woman, completely counter-cultural for the time, and maybe even for today. They ask her, woman, why are you weeping? She replies, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary turns, and from the darkness of the tomb, turns round and looks into the light of dawn. She sees Jesus, but doesn't recognize him. Jesus asks her the same question as the angel. Woman, why are you weeping? Then Jesus asks another question. Who are you looking for? Jesus understands Mary's grief. I think he gently was seeking to help her. Then a curious line in the scriptures, it says, Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. How did Mary not recognize this man that she'd followed for so long? Was she so blinded by grief that she just couldn't think clearly? Were her eyes full of tears that she couldn't see him? Or maybe it's just where she was positioned. Mary was stooped inside the tomb and at the sound of Jesus' voice peers out. Perhaps she's turning and staring into the bright light of dawn. And Jesus' body is silhouetted against that light, making him hard to recognize. Or maybe God just decided to keep our eyes blinded until the time was right. We do not know why. But Mary thinks he is the gardener. So for for whatever reason, Mary's inability to recognize Jesus, what follows, I believe, is one of the most beautiful and tender passages in the whole of the gospel. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Can you imagine at that point, that instant, how she felt? Hearing that familiar voice speak her name. The experience would have been unforgettable. But it's only when Jesus speaks her name does Mary know him. And in an instant, she's transformed. The voice that called her to wholeness when it expelled whatever demons troubled her. The voice that welcomed her into his circle of friends. The voice that told her that she was valued in God's eyes. The voice that answered her questions that she asked or laughed with over a meal. The voice that she heard cry out in pain from a cross. Mary knew that voice because it was the voice that had spoken to her in accepting love. She knew who it was, and from that point, her life was transformed in an instant. You see, sometimes seeing is not believing, but loving is. As Mary reaches to embrace Jesus, He gently says to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. There's a strange thing. Do not hold on to me. I think Mary loved him so much and wants only to embrace him. She must have just crumpled into his arms. I think Jesus would have paused and let her experience that embrace. But Jesus gave Mary a mission, a mission to spread the good news. And so she runs to the disciples and proclaims, 
I have seen the Lord. And that means Mary is the first minister of the resurrection. It's Mary who's chosen to be the first apostle to the apostles. It's Mary who was chosen to be the one to announce the good news to those who are going to be sent to announce the good news. Encountering the resurrected Jesus, Mary's life was changed. And so I believe that Mary was the first to live life in the power of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene reminds me that the most powerful tool for spreading the good news is not knowledge, but experience. You know, for me, scholarship and learning have provided many valuable riches to my faith. But I've come to realize that true discipleship doesn't simply say to me, you know, I have read about Jesus or I've even studied Jesus. But like Mary Magdalene, I can say, I have seen the Lord. Amen. Paul has also asked me to take a couple of minutes just to speak about the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. You know, for us, the only time we are changed is when we encounter God. When we encounter Jesus. And God wants us to come to him and be changed by him. But it's not just as individuals he wants us to be changed. He wants us to be changed collectively. He wants us to be changed in community. He wants us to be changed as a church. As a church transformed into his likeness, his body, to then go out and change the world. And what is so important about this course? This course is designed actually help serve as an introduction for the community, the church of Jesus, to be transformed together. And so, if you want to encourage one another to live a life that lives in the light and the truth and the experience of the resurrection, then think about joining this court. It goes beyond the tip of the iceberg spirituality. It's about developing that deeper life with Jesus, a daily life with him and God. And so being transformed into Christ Jesus is the thing that will touch your very depth of your being. So here's my plea. Here's my request. 
go home. But remember the resurrection. And start a conversation with God. And talk to him and ask, is this something that I should be doing? We need the community of the church to be transformed. So please go home and ask and see if you are encouraged to come on the course. It's on Wednesday the 8th of May in the evening and it'll be time for us to come together and reflect and grow with one another being transformed into Christ Jesus. And I'll just finish with one question that one person once put to me. He said, what would your life look like if Jesus led your life as if he were you? That's what it means to be transformed. Amen. Thank you. Ian, come and tell us about Spring Harvest. That's amazing. Everything that everyone said already. I need a script. Sorry. But two weeks ago, my family and I were at Minehead Spring Harvest with about 4,000 other people, including a few from, uh, from this church. Uh, if you don't know, Spring Harvest is an annual set of gatherings uh, for Christians from around the UK and further afield. Uh, speakers at Minehead this year included theologians, evangelists, preachers, and the Archbishop of Canterbury. And they all spoke brilliantly with great passion and conviction. The main topic this year was prayer, that we can pray unlimited prayers to an unlimited God. More on that in a moment, because in the first evening meeting, Gavin Calver, son of Clive Calver, uh, Gavin is the director of mission with the Evangelical Alliance, he gave a very strong message to all of us about the opportunity that it's in front of us at the moment. The UK is quite clearly in turmoil uh, in these present days. The repercussions of that vote that we had nearly three years ago are having immense impact. And the continued lack of resolution is putting more and more strain on our nation. We've lost our sense of national identity. And as a nation, we seem to have lost our way. The opportunity now in front of us is to pray for our nation as we have never prayed before. At the highest level, we should pray for wisdom for all those in positions of authority, that they would seek the common good and protect those who might otherwise be marginalized. But also at the individual level, we know that God is always present, but people may be more open to hearing his voice at times like this, times of change and uncertainty. So we should also continue to pray for those that we know who do not yet acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It occurred to me that the name of our country, the United Kingdom, is no longer appropriate. However, we all can claim to be citizens of a truly united kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. As we have God's promise of a place with him for eternity, we recognize that the situation here and now is only temporary. Who we are, our sense of identity, is not dependent on any activity or decision in Westminster, Brussels, or elsewhere. We, as the people of God, 
can take this opportunity to stand up and show who we are in God, where our everlasting hope comes from. Back to prayer. Prayer, as Stuart said, is the route by which we communicate with God. All relationships depend on communication. Our life with God is no different. There were far too many really excellent talks for me to summarize properly here, but I'll leave you with a few thoughts that particularly struck me. First, a question. Where do you think you really need more of God in your life? If, like me, your immediate response is, well, I'm probably okay with most things, I suppose, allow me to rephrase the question. What can you do better on your own without God getting involved? The only true answer to that one, I'm afraid, is sinning. There should be nothing that we do, either individually or as a church-wide activity, where we do not need more of God where we would not benefit from him being more fully involved. So, are we saturating everything that we do with prayer, seeking God's will, to, trust, to be assured that we are living and working the way that he wants us to? Our prayer meetings should be the best attended of anything that we have in our church calendar, because that is where we can really get close to the heart of God. Secondly, and I know this for myself, as I'm sure many of you do, prayer is not easy. Unlike most of our earthly conversations, there's not often a voice replying to us at the other end. We might feel that we don't know what to say or have trouble finding time. The devil does not want us to pray. He will send every possible excuse and distraction our way to prevent us from praying, because he knows that prayer works. We need to re-establish a deliberate pattern of prayer to put God truly at the heart of all we do. It doesn't need to be complex, but it does need to be real. And we should be aware that praying is a bit like playing a musical instrument. I could pick up a flute and do nothing with it, no matter what I try. Prayer can feel the same. But like playing a musical instrument, it takes proper training and practice. You can't just do it by trying harder. Praying is exactly the same. It can take training and practice. Don't expect to become archbishops overnight. The main teaching at Spring Harvest this year looked at how Jesus prayed and what he teaches us about prayer. I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to take this seriously. As we've just remembered, Jesus gave his all for us on the cross. What shall we give him in return? We need to dedicate ourselves to giving God the best of us. And that includes our prayer life. There are resources out there to help us. Because, yeah, nobody can teach themselves to play the flute, I'm sure. Uh, or, or anything else. You need to learn from people who've trod that path before. Uh, so for home groups... There are some books produced this year about prayer. There's lots of resources that you can pick up as individuals. Uh, if you'd like to speak any more about any of these, uh, please call on me afterwards. I'd be very happy to help. Thank you.
Should we, <clears throat> excuse me, should we uh, spend some time in prayer together? So as we come before the Lord in prayer, let's just take a few moments to reflect on what we've heard this morning. It feels to me very much as though, although we've heard from four different people, we've actually heard one voice. Because we've heard the Spirit of God speaking to us through our brothers and our sister this morning. We thank you, Lord, for what the resurrection means to those who've spoken this morning and also to us. We've thought about the fact that that amazingly vivid story that the Gospels tell us, although, it, although the events took place many centuries ago, they have a direct link to our lives today. We've thought about love and trust. We've thought about the sense that we have been rescued from a dark place, given new life, given reason not to be afraid. We've thought about the way in which the gospel and the way that the resurrection is reported is just so countercultural. It turns on its head the way the world sees things. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. God, <clears throat> God of promise and God of hope, who through your great mercy have granted us new birth, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we praise your wonderful name. God of glory and God of might, who through your great power have granted us new strength to endure all things through faith in Christ our risen King, we praise your wonderful name. Amen. <clears throat>